and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. So, Mike, I want to start here. Going into these negotiations, what was the thing, just from your understanding and from people that you've talked to, what was the thing that each side was the most concerned about as far as, like, we really want this out of the CBA? Like, what what was the thing that the players wanted the most and what was the thing that the owners wanted the most in the league? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like for the league, the big priority was, um, you know, that upper spending limit, a.k.a. a hard cap. But yeah. really, I mean, the, the hard cap never, <laughs> Right. The hard cap never was like a thing that was going to happen, I think. Right. Um, so it was really just a way to restrict those highest spending teams, the Warriors, the Nets, um, the Clippers. Well, the Nets in previous years, this year they sloughed off like, what, $100 million yeah, basically right, right, right. right at the deadline. Um, so it's just finding a way to, to rein those teams in, I think, primarily. And I think on the player side, you know, it was a number of things they've, ever since Tamika Tramaglia has come into her position as the executive director for the W uh, for the uh, MBPA, you know, I, I think a big thing for her has been wealth building um, mm-hmm. for the players. And so it's of course uh, getting their wins within the context of the CBA and the actual financial system of the NBA. But I think it's also been uh, finding ways to create wealth, to be able to make more money, uh, within the within the larger NBA ecosystem and all the stuff that the NBA governs uh, with the CBA. Yeah, the wealth building thing is interesting. And I think the update, because for those of you at home who have just been following this, the actual term sheet of the CBA, as we're, re- we're recording this on Thursday morning, the term sheet is not actually out yet. All any of us know is, I mean, you've done some reporting on it, you and Shams at The Athletic, and then Woj and his people at ESPN. But all we really know is what's out there and what's been reported, just kind of in little bits and pieces. The actual term sheet, as far as I know, hasn't actually been, like, circulated to teams yet with the actual hard details of what's been agreed on and what's, you know, actually going to be in the document once it's ratified. But the thing that I think got the most attention just based on what I saw on Twitter, when you bring up the wealth building thing, was the idea that NBA players are now allowed to quote-unquote invest in NBA teams and WNBA teams. And when that detail first came out, people were like, wait, what the hell? Like, how's that going to work? But I mean, it seems pretty straightforward that basically the players are going to be able to invest in this hedge fund that, that or this private equity fund that then invest in teams so it's like more of a passive investment the part of that update that i'm still a little confused about and i'm wondering if you have a little bit of clarity on how this is actually going to work that like the passive investment in teams like that that part seems pretty straightforward the players are allowed to invest in cannabis companies part is also pretty straightforward since it's like mostly legal in in a lot of places to me that's no different than like cj mccollum owning a vineyard but players being allowed to invest and do endorsement deals in sports betting companies 
that's the part to me that I'm still trying to figure out. Like, how are you going to be able to do that without it getting messy and avoiding conflict and making sure everybody knows that everything is above board? Do you know anything about that and how that's going to actually work? Well, I, I think it's going to be a situation where players can, again, you know, endorse uh, Sportsbook X. They're not paying me, so I'm not naming names. Sure. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, they can endorse a Sportsbook X as they do, you know, a, a, any other company mm-hmm. that they endorse, right? Like be a sponsor for that. And they can take an equity stake. Um, and I think, you know, we've seen this on the team side and the NBA side too, right? Like they have partnership deals. Right. With sports books, uh, you know, pretty much as soon as sports betting, mobile sports betting is legalized in the state, um, you see them working with a team or having signage in an arena. Right. Like and so we've seen it happen on the league and the team side. And now we see it on the player side. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't think that will be an issue in terms of like the integrity of the game, mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Um, you know, I think there's a lot more money to be made if you try if you kind of just think about it. Um Realistically, there's a lot more money to be made for a player within with his NBA salary uh, than there is whatever the possible equity stake probably is in the sports book, um, especially with how much salaries have risen over the last decade and how much they'll continue to rise. Um, and, you know, I, I think the same thing would apply, right? Like for a team, if they get into business with a sports book, just as it would for an individual player. Uh, and, and so that's how I think it's going to work. I, you know, obviously we'll see the details, right? Like the term sheet should be out, I think, sometime soon. Um, we'll see the details as they're actually then written into the CBA, right? Like there's a term sheet and there's the actual CBA that's going to be written, uh, which is going to be like 50 billion times longer. Yeah. Um, and so we'll see how, how everything is written um, in the final document. But I, I think that's primarily how it's going to work. So you have an investment stake. Um, you're not, even when you're a sponsor, you're not going to be out, you know, you're not going to see a player like tweeting a video saying, Hey, here's my three best bets today. Um, right. Like we see, you know, it's going to be like, Hey, use this sports book. If you're thinking about losing some money today, I think that's probably how it's going to go. Um, but if, it's a, and, if a player is like an investor in, or not an, even an, even an investor, but like an, doing an endorsement deal with. I'm allowed to, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not getting paid by any of these companies either, but like, just for the sake of example, the one that's legal in the only, so sports betting is legal in Oregon, but DraftKings has an exclusive agreement with the state. So DraftKings is the only one that legally in Portland, like can, can do business. Let's say a player has, you know, an endorsement deal with DraftKings where they're doing, you know, you know, just, you know, just like, do, like just doing an ad for DraftKings, like you said. Mm-hmm. Can DraftKings then have props about that player's over-under? Like, I feel like there would have to be some kind of... No, that's of... an interesting question. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And maybe that's something that um, that they've negotiated and will be hashed out when the CBA does come out. It, it is an interesting question, right? Like, what happens if you have over-unders and all that type of stuff? I mean, I would say, uh, even if they do have over-unders, right, it doesn't actually impact the player, right. so to speak, right? Like, it's not as if, uh, I assume... Um, and I think this would probably be preempted by the CBA because again, players still can't gamble. Right. Right. Um, I, I assume that like, it's not like, Hey, if, uh, it, you know, if, if the majority of the handle is on the over, um, and you get to the under, we'll give you X percent of that handle like that. It's not going to work like that. Right. Like right. there still will not be an incentive. I think an incentive structure in place, um, to incentivize the player to actually care about what those numbers are. 
the thing that worries me, I totally, I totally agree that like they're gonna do everything they can to make sure that it's above board and there that there's no actual conflicts there. The part of that that worries me a little bit is just what the public perception of it is going to be because we just saw a couple weeks ago Bradley Beal and some fan got into it and been, you know now the the details are coming out that the uh origin of that little altercation that they had was the player or it was the fan being mad that they lost some money on some bet that Bradley Beal like if a player has some sort of you know business arrangement with the sports book like isn't that just going to lead to even if there's not actually anything shady going on or any you know and everything is totally legit and everything is above board and all that isn't that just going to increase the perception publicly like like if you know the, the next time because you, you know this is going to keep happening like that's like, like some, some fan like you see it all the time like on instagram like a player will post a picture and fans will comment like yeah, hey yeah. it cost me x money on my parlay like, isn't that just going to increase like the public perception that like that, that like this is e- even if it's not actually going on isn't like i i kind of worry about the optics of it is all yeah i think the optics thing is legit um you know i, I can see the concern about that and, and you know i think if look the more the leagues like lean into sports betting uh, the more now that you're going to see teams, players like leading into it, it has, the more there's a chance that this all gets to be really noxious, right? Yeah. Like it already is to some degree. But I, I think, you know, if you have a thing now where you have a specific player advertising, uh, being a part of the advertisements for a sports book, right? And then, like, as you said, maybe if there's props about them and it gets to a place like where they, you know, some better, whatever, loses whatever side of that prop is on them. Like, yeah, it could get even more venomous, right? Because now you have a direct person to look to who's not only lured you into betting on something, uh, but is also, you know, part of the reason why you didn't hit on your bet. Like, yeah, these are all things that I think um, from a perception issue, I think are real. Um, Obviously, the league and the players have decided that the financial benefit of that outweighs the, you know, the optics of this whole situation. That's their choice. We'll see how it works out for everybody uh, in the long run, right? Yeah, the part of this that I, I, I just, I feel like a lot of that, that, that stuff. And we're gonna get to the actual basketball and like team building stuff in a second. I just kind of, since you you brought up that that was like the biggest issue for the players, that was something I wanted to just kind of unwind a little sure. bit. But, uh, but I wonder if during these negotiations they all just kind of had these ideas for like oh this seems great on paper that the players can get a piece of this and then they didn't really think through like kind of what the unintended consequences are going to be that's kind of that was immediately my react because like because like we said the 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 private equity firm invest doing passive investments in teams is fine the cannabis companies is like that's whatever but like this is one where i'm just like i don't know if they really thought this through all the way I look, I'm sure they thought it through. Like there's always unintended, unintended consequences to a lot of these things, right? Like uh-huh. if they, if they knew they were going to be, they would probably be intended consequences, right? right. Uh, there's just some things that come up that probably were not, um, you know, considered before, or at least like just changes in behavior that were not predictable or something like that. But again, like everyone's trying to make more money, right? Like, so this is a decision that's being made. Um, We'll see how it works out. I don't know. I mean, listen, the more that everyone like gets further and further into sports betting across the country, right? Mm-hmm. Like we see what happens. Um, the, and the, the, this country I think is uh, what four years now 
into legalized sports betting, right? We're still in the infancy stages of all this. Not every state has passed it. Um, not every state with an NBA team has passed it. Um, but we're already kind of like, we're only ankle deep. So we'll see how this all kind of plays out in the long run. I, I think this will probably, um, you know, expand it a little bit, but it's not, it's not going to accelerate the trend, right? Like that's happening regardless. Right. Now, as far as the other thing you brought up at the top, the thing that was the main issue for the owners, they wanted a hard cap. They was obviously always going to be a non-starter with the players. They were never going to get that. But the quote-unquote second tax apron that basically prevents, like if you're a team like the Warriors or the Clippers are the two that currently are under it that, ha- or that are over that number that have you know these just massive, massive payrolls. Once that, you know, once you get there, like you're not able to use the mid-level exception you can't send out cash and trades you can't send you can't take back more salary than you get back and you know as it would affect portland like last year at the deadline the clippers wouldn't have been able to do that norm powell robert covington trade because they were taking back more salary than they sent out to portland but basically all of this stuff i i've seen like when this stuff first came out a lot of the dialogue that i saw online was a lot of you know concern about like oh this is going to make it harder for teams to draft and develop and keep their players and it turns out really what it is is making it so that yeah the warriors can re-sign steph curry and clay thompson and draymond green or i i I guess i guess to use like a younger example like an example of a team that maybe isn't like towards the end of their run the mm-hmm. Cavs are still going to be able to re-sign. You know, they 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 signed Darius Garland to the big extension. They traded for Donovan Mitchell, who's on a max, and like when he gets his next deal, he can still get the most money. They'll be able to give Evan Mobley as much money as he can get. But whoever you know, if you're a team at that level of spending, if you're you know the Warriors or the Clippers, now you can't use the mini mid level to sign somebody like Dante Divincenzo, who probably would have been able to get more than that somewhere else, but wanted to take less to go to a, you know, a contender and you can get a guy at way below market value. Who's actually been a big help to them. That to me is kind of more what this was aimed at is so that, you know, those types of teams can't also then sign good role players on a discount. 